It's the College Football News Podcast. Nick Shepkowski, Pete Futek, as always. Time to take a look out west. Pac-12 after dark. It's a thing that we all enjoy each and every Saturday night all fall long. And for more on that, that's what this episode's for. Going to dive into the details of the Pac-12, the state of it, how it per- how it's perceived nationally, and also get an insight pa- into Pac-12 Michael Pac-12 after Lev. dark, the, the bastion of the chaser. At the end of the day, at the end of the college football gambling, yeah, day you're for either many chasing people. or you're trying to double up on it, your exactly. day's winnings. There's it's... a reason why that. There's a reason why people watch those games late at night. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. I'm guilty as anyone in this country of doing <laughs> that. But the Pac-12 nationally, the perception is, I think it's reality with it. Pac-12's just it. It's a Power Five conference. But it doesn't play like a power you five conference. You gotta win some of the big nasty non-conference games, and so when yeah, you know, they've had their chances over the years, and certainly you know Washington deserved to be in it a couple years ago, and they didn't get totally annihilated by Alabama, but they kind of did. They uh, never had a chance of scoring in uh, that game. Yeah, that you, but you knew that was going to happen. Yeah, you know, Oregon was in the first national college football playoff national championship. I was the only person in America that said they were going to get their doors blown off by Ohio State, but okay, but that. Was what that was one good team. The problem is when USC is down, and you you know Stanford's been close but not quite, and you had so much turnover in the coaching. Range. You have UCLA and Chip Kelly. You have Kevin Sullivan going to Arizona. You have uh, Herm Edwards at Arizona State. Now you've got a coaching change at Colorado. You you know you just have so much turnover, and your power teams aren't great. The perception of the conference isn't going to be good until they start winning some of those big nasty games, like in Oregon playing Auburn to start this year. Yeah, that's that's the big one in Dallas to start off the season. Oregon went there what five six years ago, maybe even a little bit longer than that. Opened against LSU and got run out of the building by LSU that year. So Oregon and the conference really themselves are looking for change there. I to you, who is it? Who's the front runners in this? Is it Oregon because of what the program being built? Is or is it Washington that needs knocked off? They're the one that's kind of be that turned into the they're the constant atop the Pac-12 or at least in that discussion year in year out. Whose is it to lose? Oregon's is the Oregon is the easy call because you've got the the. NFL caliber talent and Justin Herbert at quarterback. You've got all the talent there. Mario Cristobal with com- coming up with an amazing recruiting class. They've got the defense. They only lose one big guy off the offense, and that's Dylan Mitchell, their leading receiver. There's a lot there to love. I just I, I'm not there because the the problem is the Pac-12. Oregon State's going to kind of stink. And everyone else is going to be just good enough to screw up everyone else. Stanford's going to be all right. Cal, that defense, if they get anything out of the offense, they're going to be pretty good. Washington, they're going to have to reload on defense, but Jacob Eason's a quarterback now. It should be a little bit of an upgrade if everything goes right. The offense is going to be fine. Washington State completely undervalued, especially by the gambling community. Look what they did. They were probably a snowstorm away from uh, going to the Pac-12 title and being in at least in the discussion for bigger things. And that's the, that's just the North. I mean, now the South, USC is going to be better. UCLA is going to be better. It's so a long-winded way of saying there's just no one out there. I love what Utah's doing in the South. 
I kind of like Washington to beat Oregon and somehow get their way back to the Pac-12 title game. Yeah, and looking at it, USC, an obvious down year last year. You can't mention them without mentioning the the hot seat of one Clay Helton as he enters the year with that. Chip Kelly, you have UCLA being on the rise this year. Team that I look for in this conference that's been an old mainstay for the last decade or so, Stanford. Stanford was a top 10 team at the end of September last year. They get their doors blown off in South Bend, and now it looks like a program that's, it's despite having one of the more respected coaches in the entire country, Seems like a program that's in quite quite in flux. Well, in flux, and they're they're still winning nine games at least. Do I you mean, think they, so? They they did it last year. They they were pretty good last year, even you with no Bryce Love. Nine, with you no, think they win nine games this yeah, year? Yeah, because that's what they do under under David Shaw. They just win nine games or more every year. They always have great lines. They always just seem to. They're not going to be able to pound the ball. But KJ Costello is going to be one of those guys who is going to be a fringe first round NFL pick. Uh, they've got some decent receivers. They're going to be just good enough. Plus, they get a bunch of the big games at home. So they're going to be dangerous. And But again, we're, we're, there's a whole slew of improved teams across, across the Pac-12. There's just not that one team. You don't have an Alabama. You don't have a Clemson. You don't have an Oklahoma or a Michigan or Ohio State. So, And that's kind of the problem when you, you have a team that's not in the college football playoff. And the bigger problem is they're getting knocked out early. So then it's like, all right, if you're not caring about the gambling lines, if you don't care about Pac-12 after dark, it's easy. Easy to ignore this conference, which makes Oregon's game this year to start against Auburn to start things off really, really important. We'll take a quick pause before bringing in our guest, Michael Lev. He's from the Arizona Daily Star. He's going to talk some Arizona Wildcats with us and also some Pac-12 as a whole. He joins us right after, right after this. Be sure to subscribe and check out the collegefootballnews.com podcasts on the site, iTunes, and wherever you like to download and listen. And also go to sportsbookwire.com. Fuse has been cranking out his college football predictions all season long. He'll Utah. continue to do so with that. USA Today's sports is new sportsbook wire. Sports betting tips, picks, and analysis for the casual and rookie sports better. One. He's Michael Lev from the Arizona Daily Star, covers the Arizona Wildcats, the Pac-12, an in-depth look at that conference is what we're going to get. Michael, thanks for your time. What's happening? Not much. How are you guys? We're discussing Pac-12 football and its place in the world. So we will ask, as you being the Pac-12 guy that you are, where is the Pac-12 in terms of getting closer to being a true Power Five conference again. What's missing outside of one league te- lead dog team, and is it going to be appreciably better than last year? Well, I don't think the league was bad last year. Um, the problem that the Pac-12 has right now is twofold. Number one, you know, USC is down, quote unquote, or at least you know the Trojans were down last year and bad. That's and yeah, just not you know not what we expect. You know, five and seven overall, four and five in the league. Um, after a couple of really good seasons um, with Sam Darnold at quarterback, um, and that's the flagship program for the conference, right? I mean, that's that's the Alabama, that's the Clemson. It's a Clemson um, argument because the rest of the ACC sucks, but their team at the top is really, really awesome. Right, and and you know, for most of the time that you know I've been on the West Coast, that school has been USC. So that's one problem. The other problem is, you know, aside from maybe Oregon State, 
um, I mean, the depth is so good in the Pac-12 that these teams end up cannibalizing each other. You know, you you all end up with that one team like a Clemson that's able to run the table and get into the college football playoff. And when you don't get into the college football playoff, that dings the reputation of your league. You know, the the teams that had the best records last year um, in the pack were Washington and Washington State. They were both seven and two. Two losses in the Pac-12, you've got no shot whatsoever of making Blame it on the snowstorm at uh, the Washington's to the Apple Cup game. If that doesn't happen, Gardner Minshew goes off, and at least there's a discussion about Washington State, uh, but uh, they got slowed down because of that. What I don't understand about that is how is Washington State not prepared for a snowstorm? You play in Washington, right. Bad weather up there all the time. I mean, I'm sure they have their indoor practice bubble or whatever, um, but, I, you know, I just, as soon as I saw what the weather was like, and I'm sure everyone felt, the, most people felt the same way, I'm like, oh, yeah, Washington's going to win this game. Pretty big talk no from someone who lives in Tucson. He gets to talk about <laughs> snowstorms, yeah. How telling... I used to live in Chicago. Yeah, used to being the key words there. You're the smart one, and you got out. How telling is it when you look at, and it depends on the outlet. I know different outlets have different recruiting measures and rankings, but 24-7, for example, has one five-star recruit choosing a Pac-12 school this past run in recruiting. How telling is that in the state of the conference and how it's perceived? Well, I mean, I think it's huge. Um, You know, and the fact is, you know, when it comes to those five-star guys, I mean, it just seems like, and, and this is probably just my perception, but it seems like all of them are going to Alabama, Clemson, or Georgia, right? And Ohio State, um, yeah. Well, that used to be, yeah, and maybe, that used to be USC. To your point, is that that's it's like you'd say, okay, yeah, all the five-star guys are going to Alabama, Georgia, and USC. And when you got you know Chip Kelly who's saying, ah, I'm gonna like just recruit to a type at UCLA, and no one in Oregon's starting to recruit well, but not amazingly well quite yet compared to the other big boys. I guess that's it to your point. Washington is recruiting really well. Oregon is recruiting really well. USC recruits well, relatively speaking. Like they're still recruiting at a high level compared to most of the rest of the conference but they're not recruiting at quite the same level that they were, let's say, 10 years ago, you know? So I guess the question is, what, you know, what is the reason for that? Is it that, you know, um, things have just changed in college football and USC isn't the destination that it was in the past? Or is it that the head coach, Clay Helton, whom I really like, is like the nicest guy in the world, maybe he just doesn't have the dynamic personality that appeals to kids. You know, I don't know. I don't know if that's the case, but I do know that they don't seem to be in the discussion for the very elite of elite recruits anymore, and that does have a profound effect um, on the performance of a team. I mean, obviously, recruiting rankings aren't you know, sacrosanct. They, they aren't perfect. Um, but for the most part, you know, the schools that are getting the – the more the majority of the five stars, most of the four star guys, those are the those are the programs that end up having success on the field two and three years down the line. So okay, then let's take it to the conspiracy theory level. Is that guy Urban Meyer? I, I I'm convinced it is going to somehow, at the very least, in the message board Twitterverse type of world, going to be that thing that as soon as USC loses a game. 
the it call's going to be going out that Urban is going to be right there in L.A. doing his stuff with Fox. Reggie Bush and Matt Leinert's going to be lobbying. You want to talk about turbocharging that program again? Where else could Urban Meyer go after doing what he has done so far? And there's your program for him. Well, I mean, it's a perfect fit um, in the sense that Urban Meyer is one of what the three best coaches in college football. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe if that maybe might be right, two. Yeah. right in there with Nick Saban and, and Dabo um, Swinney of Clemson. Um, the, the only like hesitation I have in, in kind of making that call is that Urban really genuinely seemed to be in physical you know, disrepair this past season. Like he looked like he was going to pass out on the sideline uh, a couple different times. I mean, this really might be one of those situations, and I know you're going to be skeptical about this, view, but this really might be one of those situations where he is you know, physically and health-wise unable to coach again. Um, I don't know if that's the case, just basing it on things that I've heard and my observations about his health from last year, but that would be my one drawback. I, I still can't believe that Bob Stoops isn't coaching. I, that, that, to me, is still kind of crazy that he just doesn't want to be uh, To me, yeah, I, I, I'm not going to question whether or not Urban was hurt or not or really having problems. He did have the the heart condition at the end of his Florida tenure. Uh, he's still a relatively young guy. He's still great at what he does, but you're right. He just seemed just gassed at there. So uh, I, I brought it up because it's. I think it's going to be one of those things that's going to be easy content uh, generators out there throughout the season as soon as USC struggles because anything less than 10-2 and two and Clay Helton's probably gone. Wow, you think it's that high of a threshold? How could it not be? Eight, if eight you four or nine and three, he wouldn't be okay. Well, you're USC. I mean, if if Utah's win, look what especially if especially if they lose to UCLA again, especially if they don't go at least go back to the Pac-12 title. You know, how, I'm I'm not I'm still not conv- sure how he kept his job in the first place. But I, I would think that that would be a uh, a really big deal. Keep one thing in, in mind when it comes to, to Clay Helton's tenure, and that's, as I mentioned previously, they had two really good seasons the previous two years. But they ended you know, the up with getting their is, doors blown off. Yeah, but does a Cotton well, Bowl loss matter that well, much? Well, they did when win the Rose Bowl, waiting? I will say that, but yeah. One game, and they won the Rose Bowl. The question is, like, how much of that was Clay Helton's coaching, the program, et cetera, and how much of it was Sam Darnold? being an amazing college quarterback who just bailed them out of one situation after another. You know, Clay Helton has to prove that he can win in a post-Sam Darnold world. So in the Pac-12 overall, so how far away really is UCLA? I'm under the belief that they're just going to be a whole lot better this year just because it's Chip Kelly and they're going to do something great. How far are they away, really? I don't think they're that far. Um, I mean, that's, to me, that's still a recruiting destination, right? I mean, it's still, as you say, it's USC. It's still UCLA. I mean, it's a beautiful campus. It's in Los Angeles. You've got Chip Kelly there. Um, you know, they imp- even though maybe it didn't show up in the record as much, they really did improve a lot over the second half of last season. And they went, they finished three and nine. I mean, I think if they went six and six or seven and five this year, that wouldn't surprise me in the least. And I think it would be a strong sign that the program is headed in the right direction. But let me throw this question at you, Hugh. Do you still think Chip Kelly is an elite coach? 
I don't you know. That was uh, was it was it lightning in a bottle in a sense, and that maybe now that everyone else is kind of doing the same stuff that he was doing as far as playing an up tempo offense and focusing on you know health and nutrition and sleep patterns and all those things that I mean does he have a, does he have a second act? His run at Oregon and that short short span is as good as anybody's ever had. I mean, it was a historically amazing run there for a little bit there. And so you're right. Does that hurry up kind of quick pitch gimmicky thing work? I would say in the Pac-12, yeah. But to your other point, he's not recruiting the big-time guys. And that was the argument against for Oregon. I know they came really, really, really close to beating that uh, Auburn team for the national championship. But the argument was, okay, this is great because you got your cutesy system. But as soon as someone lines up and blasts away, they were screwed. So that's where I, I kind of, to, to pivot to my next question to you, Am I crazy for being way too in love with Utah? I I know they're going to a, a more of a pass-happy style, but what, the thing I like about Kyle Whittingham in this era is it's almost a, a, a Big Ten-ish kind of power team in a finesse type of conference where that team well, it's could... Stanford. It, yeah, Stanford as well. Why did Stanford work? Because they have the lines. Where this Utah team looks like it might actually be the best team in the Pac-12 this year. Yeah, that's it going to be a strange thing for me to say since the last time I saw Utah, they were blowing a second-half lead against Northwestern um, in the Holiday Bowl, uh, a development that I was happy about, by the way, <laughs> um, as a Northwestern alum. But they are, in my opinion, um, easily the best team in the Pac-12 South. I mean, I don't even think it's, it's much of a contest unless USC sort of, you know, JT Daniels takes off and they kind of find that formula. You know, whether they're the best team in the conference, I mean, I think it's a three-dog race among the Utes, um, Washington, and Oregon. Um, Utah has a returning starting quarterback. As you mentioned, they play a physical brand of football. They have a personality under Kyle Whittingham. Um, they've got a bunch of impressive guys um, coming off the edge. They've got nice safeties. They always have good special teams. And they play in a division where, like everyone else, is kind of in a state of flux. They lost their starting um, quarterback and their star- and Zach Moss, their starting running back, and they still got to the Pac-12 championship game last year. Yeah, they did. They did. And they lost to a Washington program that I think is in a really good place, um, has an excellent coach, um, probably has the most talent, 1 through 85, in, in the league from the, maybe either them or USC. My concern with Washington is, is Jacob Beeson actually good? Uh, we don't know that, right? We don't know, um, you know, if, if he's going to be, if he's going to live up to the hype. Um, for people who don't, maybe don't know, the former, you know, five-star uh, recruit started his career at Georgia, transferred to Washington. And then there's Oregon, which has been cru- recruiting amazingly well. Um, they got their, their quarterback, Justin Herbert, to come back for another season. But I have some questions about Mario Cristobal. Um, sure. As a you know, as a sidelined X's and O's guy, you know we know he can recruit, we know he can coach up offensive linemen, but can he kind of put the whole package together? So among those three, I feel like Utah maybe has the fewest questions. They also have the easiest road in their division. Yeah, to the Easton thing, I remember being told by Georgia people that in his sophomore year that he was pretty good, but he probably wasn't going to start. And it's like, really, he's that bad? And it was, as it turns out, Jake Fromm is just that freaking awesome. So that's the, like you said, that's like the biggest question going right now is, is Eason good? 
Uh, is Justin Fields good, or is Jake Fromm really like the number two overall pick next year? So it'll it'll be fun to watch what these guys are going to be able to do because there's a lot of good quarterbacks in this conference. You got? Yeah, we've got one. We've got one here in Tucson too. Um, and Khalil Tate. Remember this time a year ago, he was on everyone's shortlist for the Heisman Trophy. Now he's kind of in that underdog position, and I think that's a better place. For him to be, he didn't play with the hunger. He ran the ball seventy-four had. times. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, and that's that's a complicated topic. Probably better for another segment um, at another time. But you know, don't don't sleep on Khalil. Is all I would say. What should we know about this team? Year two under Kevin Sumlin. God, it doesn't feel like long ago he was supposed to be the next college coach that makes a step to the NFL. Now he's coaching in Tucson, something we didn't expect to see. What should year two of his era in Tucson bring? Yeah, I think it's going to be better um, than last season. You know, expectations were sky high with someone coming in, Tate coming back, the marriage of those two, everyone just you know, looked at it on paper and said, oh, you know, this is going to be Johnny Manziel 2.0. Like, it's just going to, you know, it's just going to go off. And it didn't happen for a variety of reasons. Um, and so, you know, and the season ended in, in very disheartening fashion with a, with a blown fourth-quarter lead against Arizona State, which is just about the worst thing you can do if you're trying to endear yourself to the fan base here. So now the expectations are lower. And I don't think there's nearly as much pressure on Khalil or, or on Kevin Sumlin or the program as a whole. And like I said, I kind of like that position for them. Um, I think they're going to come into this season hungrier, um, which I think is going to help. Um, I think they're going to come in healthier um, at some key spots, like the offensive line and cornerback. Um, I think they're going to have better depth. Uh, but the bottom line with this team is, you know, how is, Khalil Tate going to perform? You know, is he going to be some version of the 2017 Tate, which running all over the place and winning an unprecedented four straight Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Week awards? Or is he going to be the player last year who was kind of banged up? He was a little hesitant. He looked uncomfortable in a new system. Like, this is a team that could go anywhere from, you know, 4-8 and eight to 8-4, eight and four, and I think Khalil can be the difference maker. Uh, one way or the other. Is the world sleeping on Colorado? LaVisca Chanel, if, if he might be the best wide receiver in college football if it's not Jerry Judy uh, or one of the Clemson guys. And Steven Montez is a is a talented quarterback. Is that one of those teams that we're, that no one's going to talk about? And all of a sudden it's like mid-November. It's like, wait a minute here. They, where did this, this team come from? That's a great question. I don't really know what to expect from Colorado. Um, you know, new coach. Right, first-time head coach um, in Mel Tucker. Who, by the way, I, I talked fantasy football with during my Wisconsin days when he sat next to me in com arts classes, yes. Okay, that's a, that's a good note. You got that no going idea. for him, yes. You're actually, so, Pete's actually to blame for Mel Tucker's defensive coordinator run with the Chicago Bears, too. <laughs> All right, so maybe you guys have a little more insight on Mel Tucker than I do. But like, as a head coach, I don't know what to expect from him. Like, I don't know what this is going to look like. Um, I agree. Steven Montez, like, as a pro prospect. He's got it, right? Like there, right? Like, he's got the size. He's got the arm. If you've ever talked to him, like, he's got a great, like, magnetic personality. Um, you know, but, but like, it, when I've seen most projections that I've seen for that division, I feel like Colorado is kind of the last, the consensus last place team. No one knows so, what to maybe, do with them. Maybe that's unfair. 
Um, it, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they did sneak up on some people. You mentioned LaVisca Chenault. Um, if people don't know his name, they're going to soon. Um, had a, an amazing breakout year last year. Was a little bit banged up um, over the second half of the season. But, um, you know, definitely the best wide receiver in the league. A uh, good quarterback, defensive-minded coach, and maybe a program that needed um, a new voice at the top. You know, um, Mike McIntyre, um, he had that what, – what year was that few when they when they went to the championship game? Two was years that ago. 2016? Yeah, something like that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was really kind of the only the one big breakout year they had um, under him. And I think, you know, you could make a case. Because they, they, they took, they took the ball away like 75 times or something. And there was some really weird defensive performance season. Well, and they also had something odd like they – their whole team that played that year had been playing for three years together because they were freshmen that got a ton of playing time, and it was just kind of everything hit at the same time for them to have a little bit of success. Right. Like, I don't see why Colorado can't be on the same level as, say, Utah if they had the right coach. Like, I think they have everything else in place, passionate fan base, uh, you know, great college town uh, where kids want to go, uh, older but but cool stadium, one of the greatest traditions in college football with Ralphie, you know, running out uh, onto the field at the, at the start of the game. Um, really good uniforms, too, which I think <laughs> actually matters um, on some level. Um, but I feel the same thing about Arizona. I don't see why Arizona can't be on the level that Utah is. And maybe the difference between all of these programs is that Utah has the right coach in Kyle Whittingham, who is able to identify – in you know three-star recruits, guys who actually have four or five-star talent, um, and then in turn he's able to develop those players into a cohesive unit. Michael Lev from the Arizona Daily Star appreciate you taking the time. We'll be following you throughout the Pac-12 season. We'll be following you along for the Arizona Wildcats coverage as well. Thanks for having me, fellas. For a deeper look at the Pac-12 as a whole, our guy, lead handicapper at winnersandwiners.com. He's Scott Steen. He's ready to talk some Pac-12 football with us. What's up, Scott? Uh, nothing. I, I apparently uh, drew the short straw, so it's Pac-12 for me. Yes. Yeah. Try yeah. to figure this conference out. It's the the problem is it was so mediocre last year, and this year you've got you know is UCLA going to be appreciably better? Is USC going to finally figure it out? Is Arizona's offense going to rise up and rock? Is yeah you know, is it going to be Washington State? Is Cal going to have an offense? There are so many gambling questions when it comes to this conference. Where do you see the value if there is any? Well, I, I like uh, I like Oregon a lot in in the north. You know, first of all, I think there's really just the the one division. You've got uh, you, you've got Oregon, Washington, Washington State, and then you've got uh, then you've got Utah and everybody else in the south. Yeah, I, I think that uh, I, I like I like Oregon here. They uh, they they've got you know certainly one of the top five quarterbacks in the nation. Justin Herbert came back uh, to to try to do some great things there for the Ducks. He's uh, He's a, he's, a, he's a great pro style passer, good good drawback passer, but he's still got to work on his mobility and uh, and how to make something out of nothing when 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 he gets rattled. Um, and they got they got Troy Dye back to lead the defense and fantastic linebacker there. I like the Ducks. I don't think that uh, I, I just I just uh, I think the Washington Huskies have too big of a task to replace both Miles Gaskin and Jake Browning. Um, they've got another uh, Georgia cast off and Jacob Eason that's going to uh, that's going to start for them. So we'll see what happens. I'm always I'm always skeptical of the guys 
can't unseat the starters for whatever reason from their from their home school. So I like as far as the as far as the win totals there. I, uh, one of uh, one of my favorites. I do like uh, I do like Oregon over nine. Um, I, I I don't know that I touch Washington at nine and a half. I think that's pretty close to a sharp line on that one. Um, I like. I like Stanford under six and a half in this one. I also like Arizona State to have some regression. I like them under seven and a half as well. You mentioned the over for Oregon at nine. They open with uh, one of the biggest games of the opening weekend against Auburn in Jerry World in Dallas. I loved Oregon early on in the summer in this, and it seems like the closer we get to fall, the less and less I like them in that contest. What are some of your early odds, early takes on that? Well, you know... it's going to be it's going to be an interesting contest. I, I think that uh, I, I think they're going to have the advantage having having the uh, the veteran starter there uh, in Justin Herbert. I, I like Oregon to get it done in that game. I, I don't know that Auburn's. Uh, I think that may be one of their worst games that they play of the season. I think it's it's any time that you've got a new quarterback that you've got to work into the system. I just I just don't like to put too many uh, ducats on that team early. I'd rather I'd rather take the experienced starter. Uh, in a big game like that to start the season. Off now. the top of your head, taking out anything Stanford and USC Notre Dame related, give me the last time the Pac-12 won a really big, gigantic game against someone really pretty good. Oh man! Uh huh. You're yeah. gonna you're gonna go Auburn. You're gonna come to you're gonna come to the dark side once it comes to time to go with this. You're, there's no way that you're gonna look at this and say, oh yeah, I guess I'm gonna have to go to, with the Pac-12 over right. Auburn. Didn't we learn? We learned our. I was Mister Washington's gonna beat Auburn before last year. That didn't quite happen. You know, I I kind of thought that was gonna be a better game than it was. You know, you'd probably have a name in the last big victory for a Pac-12 team. You'd have a better chance of naming who the coach is at USC. Yeah, um, exactly. And you talk. Speaking of somebody on that, I don't. I don't think there's a hotter seat in in college football, maybe outside of Michigan, uh, than there is in USC. I, I worry about more wildfires starting from the heat of his chair there with uh, yeah, Elton, that's going to be the. You know what? There's got to be a place somewhere where you can place a wager on Urban. Is Urban Meyer the head coach there next year? That, well, I. I, I want to know. There, I, I bet there's odds somewhere in Vegas about whether he makes this makes the season or not. And I think if he gets off to a bad start, maybe even loses a non-con game and then uh, loses one or two uh, dumb games there in the Pac-12, I'm not sure that he survives the season. We we just uh, our last guest we were talking about, and I suggested that eight and four, and he's fired. And our guest was like, "Are you kidding me? Eight and four? Like, yeah, it's USC. You can't go eight and four at USC after coming off a losing season. It's I, I kind of think it's ten or two and bust this year. So it, with that in mind, realistically, wh- how many games is USC winning this year? No, I don't. I, I I think I think eight is a ton for for USC. Really? I, I, and I think. And by the way, I'm with your guess. I think that he, uh, I think he keeps his job if he goes if he goes eight, and four, especially if he beats UCLA. Um, and maybe gets a win over Stanford. Um, I th- I like I've got USC at six and a half. I like the over there, uh, not by not by much. I, I think I think there are seven. I think there are seven, maybe an eight win team. So go back to real quick st- your Stanford call. I I don't know why I like them so much other than the fact that it is a David Shaw team. I love KJ Costello as a pro prospect. I like their lines, and they never seem to have that really bad junky season where they just don't seem to have it. They didn't have Bryce Love. They didn't have a running game last year, and they were still pretty good. I kind of think that six and a half as the over is one of the easier calls of the year. Why do you like the under on that? Well, I don't. I don't like. I don't like their offensive line. I don't think their line has done a great job. Now they are going to be a year older. They're going to be more experienced. 
But the part I really don't like about Stanford is their defense. They just give up too many, too many big plays. Um, KJ Costello is a serious deal. He's, he's the real guy. But the problem that I have with Stanford is the division they're in. If they were playing, if they were playing in the South, um, I'd probably, I'd probably like them over that win total a little bit more. But uh, happen to go up against Washington, Washington State, Oregon, and uh, you know, then Cal, who has a serious defense. Uh, that's that's to me. At best, they they get one win out of that, out of those out of those four, and I just don't know that you can make up enough ground uh, playing against the South to uh, get it done in the other games in your non-con. Scott Steen, lead handicapper at WinnersandWiners.com. dot com. Appreciate taking the time, looking at some Pac twelve with us, and uh, spoiling how this whole entire fall is going to go out west. Go Buffaloes. <laughs>